I think we could have a little prayer. Our loving Father, how marvellous is your love to us. You've lavished it upon us and we bring our thanks. We thank you that you've called us. We thank you that you've justified us. And now we're contemplating the fact that you're going to glorify us. What can we say? It's just a, a wonder. It, it hasn't entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. Oh God, we stand in wonder. And pray your help now as we open the scriptures and chat together. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 I don't know how political this uh, story is these days, but with some of the words that I'm going to use, but there was an evangelist called Gypsy Smith, and he was preaching in an area which uh, saw a lot of racial problem. And as he was preaching, uh, he was asked to set some time aside, and this is where the political bit may not be quite right, but the, the, the black community wanted to come and ask him a question because they were being treated inferior and so on. And their question to him was, when we get to heaven, what color are we going to be? And wisely, Gypsy Smith said, quoting 1 John 3, it is not yet made manifest what we shall be, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him even as he is. And they rolled back through the, the room, this great mighty Amen that only the blacks can produce. We shall be like him. We're looking at the change in the body that happens when the Lord comes. And we have the text. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, that's when he comes, isn't it? In a moment refers to the speed of the change, not the speed of his coming, doesn't it? The word moment is uh, the word we know, atom, a very small, tiny part and a very small moment and that by the power of God we're going to be changed. Trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, we shall all be changed, isn't it? A wonderful anticipation. Oh, Here's our opening text as far as the study is concerned now. Philippians 3, 20, 21. For our citizenship is in heaven from whence we await a saviour, eagerly await, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he's able to subdue all things to himself. Transform again, this time our lowly body. I don't know if Ian got anybody to work up a sweat today, but there'll be no sweat when this new body becomes ours. It's a body of humiliation now. You have to go to the toilet. Don't think we will then. But who knows? So this is the outer change of our body to be like the Lord Jesus, the glorious body. The conformed is inner. We're not going to have an outward 
glorified body and the inner not be changed and of course part of the change and coming of the Lord it's a total transformation isn't it or to use the right word conformed exactly like his, his glorious body the power of God is at work according to his working to our word energy there isn't it by which he's able to subject everything to himself there's there's tremendous power of God. In the Old Testament, the yardstick for power was God bringing people out of Egypt. He goes back over and over and reminds them of the, the demonstration of his awesome, majestic hand. But in the New Testament, the yardstick of power is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and our resurrection when we'll be changed to have like his glorious body. So what is the glorious body of the Lord like? Well, we do know a few things, don't we, about the Lord's appearances, and we're very grateful for it. He wasn't limited by time and space. He could walk through a wall, he could disappear, he could appear. He wasn't limited in any way in that body. He was able to operate in the physical and the spiritual realm. I think that that will come up a little bit later when we talk about ourselves. Transport quickly, he was recognized, he ate, he hung out with his friends. It was a glorious body. Still with the marks of Calvary, still recognizable. So we're going to have a body like that that's going to be not limited by time and space, etc. Romans 8 calls it the redemption of the body. He speaks about your adoption, namely the redemption of the body. When we got saved, we were redeemed in our soul. But when we come to the meeting of the Lord in the air, that will be the redemption of our body. And he refers to it in Romans 8 as the glorious liberty of the children of God. A lovely, lovely phrase. Because in Romans 8, three times he mentions things that are groaning. Creation is groaning. Earthquakes, wars, and rumors of wars, of course, but creation itself in deep trouble. And then he says, we groan. Longing, as 2 Corinthians 5 says, longing to be clothed upon from on high. To have a building made by God. A new body. Clothed. And so redemption of the body is, is linked there. What I was telling you about the three groanings, wasn't I? The third groaning is a marvellous one that counteracts all the others in the way because it's the groaning of the Holy Spirit as he prays for us. Redemption needs at least two things anyway. It needs the price. And it was the Lord's battered, beaten body at Calvary that enabled us to not have to pay the price. Perhaps the second thing is, is power. 
It needed a tremendous demonstration of power to get Israel out of bondage. The redemption of the Lord Jesus needs not only a price, but the power to deliver us from this body of our humiliation, to deliver us from this stratosphere in which we live, to deliver us from all the desires of our, our flesh, to deliver us from all disease and pain and depression and sadness, to transform. Marvelous, isn't it? The power of redemption. I heard several times, I think, the late Jack Ferguson give the little trio. I don't know if you had it in, in any of your groups, but he used to start off with form. And in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 19, Paul says he's, it's as if he's pregnant again. He's brought them to the birth once, but now he says, I'm, I feel I'm being pregnant again because I'm laboring in travail like a woman in pain uh, to bring you to the point where Christ is formed in you. Now that's more than the new birth, isn't it? That's more than the new creation. That's the next stage. A little bit of growth, a little bit of likeness to Christ. And so from formed, he goes to transform from one glory to another. And that's right now, isn't it? As the Spirit of God teaches us about the love of Jesus and it be becomes part of our mentality and part of our bodily action and we love and we've been transformed from that glory to another glory. And then he starts with patience and then he starts with kindness and bit by bit we're being transformed. And finally, the third thing that JLF used to love speaking about was this one conform to the image of Christ. What a trio. What a marvelous purpose of God to bring us through those stages of our spiritual life. So, 1 Corinthians 15, corruption put on incorruptibility. These bodies that die, these bodies that suffer so much pain, will be incorruptible. Mortal, puts on immortality. Dishonor will put on glory. Weakness will put on power. The natural will put on the spiritual. I suppose we think of sometimes of spiritual bodies floating around. I don't think it's that at all. But we were hearing that the spirit affects is the way we communicate to God. And our spirits are fallen spirits. Our minds are fallen. Our heart is fallen. But in that day, the spiritual aspect will be perfect. So that all communication with God will be absolutely perfect. And the communication within our own being will be perfect because the spirit will be, well, how does Hebrews put it? The spirits of just men made perfect. And so the spirit that affects the rest of our mind and body, uh, that will be perfect. The natural will put on the spiritual. Defeat to victory. I was thinking that of the end of 1 Corinthians 15. Um, oh, oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? And then... He misses a verse and he goes on to say, Thanks be to God 
who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Bondage to freedom, that's the Romans 8, that instead of groaning, we'll know the freedom from all kinds of bondage. What a, a wonderful <coughs> is before us. I meant to put death to life. Because in 2 Corinthians 5, it speaks that lovely expression, death will be swallowed up in life. Twice you get the expression, swallowed up, both in Romans 8 and in 1 Corinthians 15. Now, where's that machine? <coughs> will we be in a totally, totally different new body? Or will we be in the same body? but made new. Does that make sense? Does the body that we'll have relate to the one that we have now? And these are some of the, the answers to it, I think. The main answer is that in each one of us, presumably put there with the new creation, is a seed. That's how he describes it in 1 Corinthians 15. And that seed will burst into life with the resurrection in the new body. So that it's the seed of our own body that produces the new body. Agreed with that? And then Christ was raised in the same body. Is that not so? So we'll have the same body. The resurrection of the dead. So if whatever has died is going to be raised to life. It's not a totally new existence. It's the body that went in the ground, that body, some will produce the new body by the power of resurrection. We spoke about first Philippians 3.21, the body will be transformed. Then about those that came forth out of the tombs. Who came forth? It's the same people that went into the, the tomb, isn't it? They came forth out of the tombs. But the sun is raised, we've mentioned. Mortals, that those that die will put on immortality. So, Joni, who is paraplegic, she also had cancer recently. Somewhere in my broken, paralyzed body is the seed of what I shall become. I think that puts it better than me. The paralysis makes what I am to become all the more grand when you contrast the trophy, that means uselessness. Useless legs against splendorous resurrected legs. I'm convinced that if there are mirrors in heaven, and why not, the image I'll see will be unmistakably Joni, although a much better, brighter Joni. Well, if we were in a, a coloured region, this room would all say, Amen, but we're not. <coughs> So how's it going to be? <coughs> Recognizable. But Jesus' body was seen and touched and handled. But then when you come to the Acts, Jesus appeared to Paul, Saul, on the road to Damascus, and he was a bright light. Revelation 1, 
super glory. So which is it? Is it body that's just like you and me now, but changed? Or is it a bright? Uh, in shine, they shall shine as the, as the righteous shall shine as the stars. Is it both? I can only think so, because I'm helped by thinking of what we'll be like in the millennium. We're going to be normal people. But changed, impossible to sin, impossible to die, impossible to... But we're going to be there some of the time anyway. So we're going to live normal lives, we're going to be normal people. But in totally new, trans transformed bodies. But then will we, at that time, have access to heaven? And when we get to heaven, because it's a different realm, a different, totally different place, if place is the right word, Will we need shining bodies, glorified bodies, maybe, maybe something like that? It's going to be great, <laughs> but as we said at the start, we don't know fully how it will be. It's remarkable that Job could say this, isn't it? Words we use often about the resurrection. He said, I know my Redeemer lives. And that in the end he will stand upon the earth, and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh. And there will be flesh, I think. Although Jesus said flesh and, and, and blood cannot enter the kingdom, I think he's, he's talking about something different. There will be flesh. And I, how did Job know that? In his, he was one of the earliest people, wasn't he? And yet by revelation he could say, yet in my flesh I will see God. And if you're like me, you wish you could leave your life all over again. You know, it was Job, I think, who said, I wish. Don't get to the point like me where you can say, I wish. But when we see him, we'll be happy to do so because we fulfilled every purpose and met every requirement that the Lord has for us. Joni again. I can't wait to be clothed in righteousness without a trace of sin. It will be wonderful to offer praise that is pure. Ah, won't it? I won't be crippled by distractions, disabled by insecurity, Insincerity, sorry. I won't be handicapped by half-heartedness. My heart will join force with others and bubble over with effervescent adoration. We will finally be able to fellowship fully with the Father and the Son. For me, this will be the best part of heaven. I wonder what it will be for you. Now we just make a few simple applications. 1 Corinthians 15, of course, ends with this exhortation. Wherefore, because of the glorification that we anticipate, wherefore be steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, in that you know for sure your work is not vain, not empty in the Lord. We should never be discouraged then, should we? 
Because as we keep abounded, we know it's not in vain. Because we'll see him. Rejoice in hope. Or perhaps I should have put properly to purify ourselves. He that has this hope set on him purifies himself even as Jesus is pure. And 2 Corinthians 7 hands it out a bit more, doesn't it? Let us therefore cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. Knowing the desires of my heart, your heart, the lust of the flesh and so on, purify himself. Lord, when I meet you face to face, I hope there'll be no regrets. We are fully owned. That's both a challenge because our bodies are temples now of the Holy Spirit and we preserve them for the future when we stand before him. It's also a comfort because he owns us. We're glad he does so because therefore he protects and strengthens and comforts us. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. That's a remembrance of his power. The tremendous power that took place in the tomb took place in your heart and my heart when we were saved. And it will take place when the change comes to our physical confirmation to the image of the Son of God. I put up the top there, satisfied, because that was what David said in Psalm 17, didn't he? As for me, I shall be satisfied when I awake in his likeness. Are we satisfied with that? Oh, yeah. It's a wonderful hope. Anticipation. God's name be.